I mean, just there's a trail out here called Cleghorn, and there's lots and lots of deep ruts. And you could see probably a rollover every week because people do not know how to pick a line and don't know how to straddle and try to keep themselves safe. So, and that's every kind of vehicle. That doesn't matter if it's a Toyota or a truck or a Jeep or whatever. You know, that happens all the time. So, yes, I do believe some of that can be driver-influenced. I'm Tony, and welcome to the Jeep Talk Show, the premier show for Jeep enthusiasts and hardcore off-roaders. Whether you're new to the Jeep world or a seasoned Jeeper, we've got you covered with the latest news, tips, and advice to help you get the most out of your Jeep. On tonight's episode, we're going to be talking about Wrangler safety rating. This is a this is an older story, but I think it's still relevant uh, today because the you you always run across somebody that uh, well they don't know much about Jeeps. They they may, may remember a little something way back when. I think the CJs uh, had an issue about uh, rolling over, uh, tipping over in accidents and stuff. And I think that's one of the reasons why the YJs came out. Uh, so, but but I think it's a good thing for us to talk about. And uh, some people out there may not know, and they may be concerned about uh, the safety uh, of Wranglers. In Newbie Nuggets, Wendy shares some things uh, to always have in your Jeep. Uh, and except, except when you're crossing into Mexico, you don't want to have any ammo in there. There are some <laughs> things you don't want, yes. <laughs> well, you know. doesn't matter whether you have a gun or not. You just don't want to have the ammo in there. <laughs> in uh, Fabricating Frenzy with Larry, why a 14-bolt? I'm glad you're doing this, Larry. I've often wondered that same thing. Why a 14-bolt? Why not 13, 13 and a half? I mean, why does or it have 12. to be 14? Or 12, yeah. Maybe 15. It'd be better, yeah. right? Uh, and then our must-have stuff for your Jeep, brown dog motor mounts. If you know, you know. If you don't, you're going to be happy you found out. <laughs> I like that. I didn't even write that. Are you ready? It's time for the Jeep Talk Show with hosts Tony, Josh, Wendy, and Chuck. Well, howdy. It's Wendy. And on this episode, I'm going to give you a list. No, not a New Year's resolution list. This list is for your Jeep. Oh, Mom, I don't want to clean up my room. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> it's Larry. Hi, it's Larry, and why do you want tons? It sounds like they're really heavy. I don't know. <laughs> but that'll be another thing I'll, I'll ask you about. Why do they call it tons? All right, Wrangler safety rating. Uh, the Jeep Wrangler, uh, at, at least in 2022, had a four-star rating for frontal crashes and a three-star rating for rollovers from the NHTSA. Now, what the hell? I mean, who, I think who cares you should about this alphabet? Yeah, but I think you should be ringing the bell. That sounds good. Four-star and three-star. <laughs> well, like you, generals. you could add them together. That's a, a, that would seven be a seven. Star. A seven That's, out of ten is good. Ring the bell. <laughs> I guess what's what's uh, I wonder what the max rating. If it's a max rating of five, then then that's that's pretty good. No, I think it's four. I'm just, Here we go. I, don't know. I like that. <laughs> we can go with that because it doesn't say, does it? It doesn't say. Somebody so. somebody's screaming at the at the show, going, "It's a five star, you idiot!" Idiots. I think it, I think it is actually a five star. Uh, so Probably. four star is not too bad, but three stars on rollover. If that was a Netflix movie, would you watch it? If it was three stars. <laughs> I know they made some changes to the 2023 just for those just for those purposes. There's some extra bracketry in the wheel well area with, uh, on a Wrangler just because of that. So I just looked it up. It's five stars. Yeah. Just so we're you know not being yelled at or somebody calls in and oh, screams at us, being, which they could do. Being yelled at's fine with me. I mean, it's that's, okay. That's, Let's do that. That's passion. That's interaction on the from the listeners' uh, side. So it's go. good. <laughs> 
All right. So anyway, uh, is this important to you guys or do you know anybody that this would be important to? I think people consider that when they're looking at vehicles, if they're comparing A to B to C. But I don't I don't know that I looked at it, you know, before we bought our Jeep and said, gee, what's the rating from, you know, did it roll over or not? I just assume because it's built so well. Of course, mine is not as plasticky as the (laughs) the newer ones, probably, as Chuck would say. I still have plastic in there, but it wasn't a concern for me. How about you, Larry? Well, I think the biggest thing I'd be more concerned with nowadays with some of the cars getting more, uh, I'll say, lower and more ramp-like. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not the rolling over; it's it's jumping over. Mm. Because you know most That's of the cars nowadays, yeah, most of the cars you're going to hit nowadays. If you're going to hit a car, most of them are lower. They'll they'll hit just below that bumper if it's got any kind of lift on it. So you're going up and over. Especially like those Teslas, you know, because they're all smooth all the way through, right? Tesla or a Prius. I wonder, ramp. <clears throat> I wonder if people that drive the ramps uh, are uh, get really nervous, have some PTSD when they hear a Dixie horn going off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Duke's a hazard reference for you people that but, don't know. But yeah, it would also be the same thing if you're driving a big truck or a lifted truck, for crying out loud. Right. You know? our, our truck would be well over those ramps. I mean, geez, had never thought of that, Larry. Thank you for that information. I'm going to keep an eye on that in the future. Yeah, and if it's a semi coming at you. I don't know that rollover is the is is going to be the first concern I'm going to going to have. Well, I mean, we know Jeeps roll over, but have you guys ever personally seen or either been in or seen a Jeep that's rolled over on the highway? Yes, in video or people that you know, like in the mountains up here. Mm-hmm. But I mean, but I mean, in off. person. Uh, not in person no, yeah but I, no. pictures I think, of well i mean i think that the the news and now uh, the internet give us a uh, unrealistic uh, uh expectation of how often things happen uh you yes. see it and if you see it three times on the news over a year you go oh well this must be happening a lot i don't want that yeah. vehicle because it's just going to roll over uh but uh it's like i told my my girls when they were little they were concerned about being in a tornado warning and the weather was really bad outside and there was a tornado warning and they were uh terrified that there was going to be a tornado i think they had seen the wizard of oz 27 times so you know <laughs> and, I, and i told them uh that uh, i had i've lived in southeast texas all my life uh, and at that time i had never seen a tornado and I'm sure they were still uh, still concerned, but it gave them a real realistic expectation of how often tornadoes occur. I mean, they're so small, and the the land mass is so big. It's just uh, it's unfortunate when they do affect you, but it's very unlikely that you're going to be directly affected by a tornado. More so yeah. when they're a half mile or a mile wide, but the, generally speaking, they aren't. But but that's so true, Tony. Because here in California, we get the news all the time that the whole Midwest, like from Kansas all the way to the East Coast is nothing but tornadoes. And there's Tornado Alley in Texas, and then there's hurricanes. So I think you're right. You know, you you see it once or twice or three times, and you think that's a, a big deal. And maybe it's not as big, but, you know, for us out here, it's like you guys hearing about earthquakes. Yeah, see, that's nope. right. Everything west of the Rockies is all an earthquake, so that's, exactly. that's all we get. Yeah. But I, so. but I think that rollover with their – I've seen this on, you know, in the videos in the past, it's all when it hits that corner. Hits the corner, it all compresses, and then then it flops over. You know, it's not like it's a direct head-on for the you know whole front end. It's when it hits that that front corner, and that's yeah. kind of what what's in the showing in the show notes. When it hits a corner and everything collapses, over yeah, she but, goes. 
But Mary, have it on the pictures you've seen on anything that's rolled over, it's really about um, the the Jeep is still intact. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it flops over or rolls over. It's not crushed and crumpled like you'd see other cars. Correct. So to me, I almost think if you had to have one of these situations happen, you kind of want to be in a Jeep because it's, you know, square and maybe hold you all in better. I don't know. Yeah, because the only, you know, most of the accident videos you see, it was a full broadside hit, mm-hmm. and that's what fl- and that's what flopped it. Right, and but it's still that's intact when it flops. Right, right, and that's something entirely different there. Yeah, yeah, so I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Um, it'd be fun to see if they did any new ratings, current, you know, 2023, as far as uh, did we get a higher rating, you know? Did the Jeep Wrangler get a higher rating? And it'd be interesting to see what the testing is on the Gladiator, too. With that yeah. longer wheelbase. Yeah, I'm almost uh, sure that they have done it. I just didn't run across it whenever I was uh, looking up information on the uh, uh, for this episode. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's just interesting, and I don't think it takes. I, I don't. I wouldn't take this into account. But I wonder if I was buying a Jeep uh, for uh, one of my loved ones, wife or uh, daughters or sons, if I might be concerned about that uh, the the crash. Uh, the crash issues and the rollovers certainly the rollovers the uh, the crash thing i don't think is, is such a big deal um i mean it could be but i don't think it's such a big deal maybe that's because i've seen and been in accidents on the road uh, where the the jeep gets hit or hits something and it craters the vehicle it hit and the, the jeep just drives away i mean yeah i don't mean hit exactly. and run but i mean it can can leave once, right, right. once all the information has been exchanged well and that's <laughs> the other thing too they're using the word rollover but is that flipping itself out of momentum several times? Or is like Larry said, it gets hit and then just kind of plops over and they're calling that a rollover. So I think, you know, if you're somebody who's concerned about that, you need to look into deep, you know, deeper as to what does this really mean? But mm-hmm. I don't know. well, yeah. that's research. And I think a lot of people don't do research. And that, no, actually, that's one of the reasons why I was bringing it up uh, here tonight is because um, this is, uh, they don't have to research. We can just talk to them about it, talk to the listener about it. And uh, maybe make them feel better because we do have people that listen to the show simply because they're interested in Jeeps and they want to yeah. learn more about them. So we sure. I always try to be mindful of that. And I think you guys do, too, uh, in your segments. Uh, what does the the Jeep owner uh, and, and maybe even it's an experienced Jeep owner. I mean, I'm an ex- I consider myself an experienced Jeep owner, uh, but uh, I don't know what the deal is with the 14 bolt rear ends because I've never looked into that. So I'm happy that we're going to be hearing about that tonight. Well, one thing about it, you know, the Jeep's on the side, the middle of the intersection, a group of Jeepers show up, flip it right back over, and <laughs> they drive it off. <laughs> one person's got the winch line, the other person's pulling spark plugs. And uh, I was going to yeah. say, remove the spark plugs, it goes. turn it over yeah. a few times. We're good, yeah. <laughs> they take it to it's the car the wash and get rid of all the, the crap that came out of those, those cylinders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is a nice thing. Um, it was so funny, uh, my, uh, my wife and I went... Um, my uh, oldest daughter uh, borrowed my wife's uh, TJ uh, to, to take it to work today, and and a uh, long story. And uh, she, uh, we need as it, it turned out that we needed to go get it uh, from the uh, the dealership she, she was at. She works at a Mercedes dealership. And uh, anyway, we went over there and, and, and picked it up, and then uh, I drove the Gladiator back, and my wife drove her TJ back. And uh, once we get home, my wife is saying, oh, did you see that wreck or that accident? I said, no, I didn't. And I, I think it happened, must have happened after, uh, after I drove by there. But she, uh, she was at a light and she took a picture of it. And uh, it was just one of those things where somebody ran in the back of somebody else and they're standing around. And, and uh, the thought went through my mind was, 
did I not see it because it didn't happen? It hadn't happened yet? Or did I just um, move it out of my, like, I don't care idea? And this sounds horrible, I know. I don't care. It's not a Jeep. Because <laughs> when, when you see so you a Jeep, really paying attention. Yeah, yeah, when like, you see a Jeep? Jeep, you go, oh, I should help those people. Or do they That's need right. help? Do I need do to go need check help, on right? them? Yeah. Everybody else, you're on your own. Yeah, never leave a, never leave a Jeeper behind. But, never. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully it wasn't the jeep leaving the scene <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> so uh but it's it sounds really bad but yeah absolutely it was just like well it's they wouldn't jeep what do i care <laughs> and just because you have a jeep doesn't make you a, a great person or anything like that but it's just a code that we've learned and we by. yeah <laughs> it's a start yeah that's that's a point in your favor so uh, anyway, I think uh, I think I asked this already, but uh, would it matter to you? I mean, would you not uh, have you con- not considered getting a CJ because of the the rollover issues that were uh, that, that came to light back in the seventies and the mid and late seventies? I'll just say for me, it would it wouldn't play any role at all. I've I've never looked at that. I mean, I think at some point, if I'm wanting to build a road racing vehicle, maybe I wouldn't pick the CJ. I think I would go another route, <laughs> yeah. but I, I think a little common sense goes a long way when you're looking at a vehicle. You know, it's each vehicle is kind of like a tool; it has its purpose, and you just got to evaluate what you want to do with it. Exactly. Well, it goes back to that research thing. So, yeah, I don't know, but uh, wouldn't uh, doesn't bother me at all. But I'm sold on Jeeps. I mean. Uh, there, there'll be people talking about uh, uh, GMC or Chevrolet pickups or Ford pickups, and I'm just not interested. I don't care. Uh, I mean, if I was looking for a tow vehicle, maybe. Of course, if I was looking for a tow vehicle, it'd be a, a Ram or a Ford. Uh, it probably would be a Ford if I could afford it, and I'm more likely to be able to afford a Dodge Ram. But, uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, I don't know. It, 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 it doesn't matter to me. I, I think I I think I know Jeeps well enough to where I can deal with any little issues they may have. And I certainly don't have any problem with uh, any of my kids or my wife having one. Well, and it also depends. We always go back to the statement. What are you going to do with it? You know, if you're going to rock crawl and do all kinds of stuff off road, it's not going to matter what that rating is because you're going to go everything and changes. fix it up and change everything anyway. Yeah. Well, and, uh, and everything changes from the standpoint of, off camber and uh, all kinds of crap that, that you're exactly. going to be doing differently off road. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. If you're causing a rollover, that's a whole different story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and There's, I and I wonder if that might be part of it too. Is that sometimes it, it has to do with the driver uh, that's rolling that, that's rolling over and yeah. what were they doing? Even though it was flat ground, what were they doing when that happened? And is is Jeep getting the the bad uh, uh, karma from that. Of course, well, the testing yeah. testings are, are, are done under controlled situations. And yes. like we can see in the image that we have in tonight's uh, show notes for episode 960. Yeah, but you can go on YouTube and, I mean, just there's a trail out here called Cleghorn. And there's lots and lots of deep ruts. And you could see probably a rollover every week because people do not know how to pick a line and don't know how to straddle and try to keep themselves safe. So... And that's every kind of vehicle. That doesn't matter if it's a Toyota or a truck or a Jeep or whatever. You know, that happens all the time. So, yes, I do believe some of that can be driver-influenced. I think most of it is. Yeah, where's your tolerance for off-camber? <laughs> hey, it's Keith from Wisconsin. Um, yeah, I just listened to the last episode, and you got Chuck reading the script. 
This just sounds so fucking wrong. Why are you doing that? Just leave Chuck alone. I like hearing him. I like the way he talks. His attitude. Just don't screw me. You made him sound like a robot. Please. Don't let Chuck read any more scripts. If he is going to read scripts, Make sure he's like a six pack or better into it. <laughs> oh, that's the key. Have a great day. I'm really confused by this because well, uh, Chuck doesn't read scripts. In fact, yeah, he has a hard time reading and talking at the same time. <laughs> I think there was one or two times when he was on with us that you had him read like the you know, yeah. ending log or well, something. Well, that's the other thing is right? how long or, ago or was this? What episode yes. was it that he that he re- that he yeah. heard the script thing on? He, we, we, we need more information. Seriously. Yeah. But, but yeah. I think that's what it is because you were having us read some of the ads when we were doing or in the giveaways. Mm-hmm. So... He had a part, and maybe that's what he's talking about. Maybe, uh, but not nothing recent. Uh, no, th- but see here, here recently, since it's just been uh, on the the second flagship ep- weekly uh, flagship episodes, it's just been Chuck and I, and it's easier for Chuck to actually talk. Maybe uh, Keith is uh, finding it unusual to hear. Uh, Chuck speaking in complete uninterrupted sentences. Maybe. <laughs> because Chuck's quite articulate. Uh, you know, whenever he, he's talking about yeah. something, he knows a lot about a lot of things. Right. And uh, yeah, but whenever you're trying because of the internet timing thing, you're trying to yeah. jump in there, you, you kind of sound like you're an idiot. <laughs> and he's not. <laughs> no, he's not. But unfortunately, I'm wondering if Keith is thinking... Well, this is the he, that interrupted type of speaking is what he's used to hearing Chuck do. So maybe I don't that's know. good. Yeah, Keith, All right, Keith, Keith, we need more info. Yeah, Keith, call back. Let us know what episode it was that you were listening yeah. on. Maybe we can maybe we can play a, a, an excerpt uh, from it as well. Well, yeah, like like a comparison. Chuck not script. <laughs> Chuck scripted. Chuck not on six pack of. Uh, yeah, and it's not never on. a six pack. What's the what's the really big one? Do either one of you guys know what the really big uh, container of uh, like, fo- what, like a, a Foster's or something? A, keg? a big beer. Well, no, not a keg, but you know when the oh, you, you mean like the, the cans? No, you get the cans, four, and then you get them like a thirty six. Uh, oh, the tall boys. Well, no, no, no. The the ones that come in a big box. So you got a lot of beers. There's a six pack. Oh, like twenty four or forty eight. Yeah, is that, is that the how it goes? Probably twenty four, mm-hmm. eighteen maybe. So on the glass. yeah, so for Chuck, it wouldn't be a six pack. It'd be like a twenty four. Poor Chuck's like the hell with all of y'all. <laughs> <laughs> he's More beer, less script. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's used exactly. to it. Wow, they, that would be a great name for a beer. Script, script beer. <laughs> Maybe not. All right, so uh, let's talk about some uh, disappointing news, but I, I don't think that the, the whole story is being told here. 2023 Jeep Wrangler sales. According to autoblog.com, Jeep sold 1,000. Uh, 1, <laughs> Somebody just jumped out a window. That is low. <laughs> 156,581 Wranglers in 20, 2023, which is almost 20% less then 2022, according uh, to the JL Wrangler forums, Wrangler sales are 15% down for 2023. Uh, 4xe uh, is expected to reach 50% of total Wrangler sales by the end of 2023. So all you need to do is give people a $7,500 discount and they buy it, uh, apparently. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, it says in uh, in 2023, Jeep sold uh, 1,521,000. Uh, 90 uh, vehicles, including uh, 343,552 in the fourth quarter. So uh, I think that the reason why sales are down 
doesn't have anything to do with uh, Jeep specifically, maybe the pricing, but I think it has more to do with the economy. What do you guys think? Right. Uh, yeah. Hello. Well, when you go, yeah, when you go into all of the, not just Jeep, but if you go into all of the other lots, they're all full. They're not full because they're selling so many of them. Right. And if you, and if you look at all the prices of all these vehicles too, it's it's staggering what some of these vehicles cost nowadays. Oh yes, right. and with with the economy, with the inflation, and everything else, they're just not moving any vehicles. So I wonder what that wonder what that twenty percent looks like in comparison to the rest of the the market. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's down all all over the place. I mean, I'm sure there's some vehicles that are selling well uh, that uh, probably have to do with price or their luxury vehicles. And I think in the luxury vehicles, they probably don't think of uh, of selling a, a lot of them. Uh, they don't need to sell as many because the profit is is higher. Or theoretically, if it's higher. Um, but uh, well, Larry, I was talking to Chris today. I think he was driving home from work, and uh, he was talking to me about some uh, uh, some uh, potential clutch issues he was having. And okay. and I told him, uh, I said, uh, uh, what was it? I said uh, that Larry uh, Larry's vehicle, his uh, his JLU has one hundred and seventy something thousand miles on it. And uh, you're, I think you're still in the same clutch. And I, but I think, I think Chris corrected me. Do you have you changed clutches? No, it's still on the same clutch. So same I've clutch. got, yeah, I've got one thirty on mine. I think it's Chris with one seventy. Yeah. Okay. I was remembering wrong. Anyway, uh, but he said that you had uh, you you had one hundred and seventy seven thousand, and uh, you were hoping that. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm thinking about somebody else. Never mind. Never mind. But anyway. <laughs> The, the point I was trying to get to was is that I said, well, but I don't think Larry's going to uh, be uh, having to do any repairs uh, to his uh, GLU because he's getting ready to buy a Gladiator. <laughs> well, I, I've sure been kicking it around. You know, wow. the, the Gladiator is just like the rest of them. There are a ton of them out there, and those prices continue to fall to the point to where, you know, I keep looking for a manual, and... I'm finding manuals out there now at forty thousand for a ruby, ruby with topaz. My God! <laughs> yeah, they're not they're not abundant, but I don't have to look hard to find one. Find all a you need is of them all you need is one. The problem is going to be finding right. a red one because those things go really oh, quick. Yeah, no, don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah. you know, if you step up to forty three, ooh, red jeeps are sexy. <laughs> yeah. oh, here we go. <laughs> now the automatics. Or sitting around forty eight, forty nine. Oh, that's and interesting. Well, the, the, so the bad PR on the standard stuff must be causing the price to be lower. You think? Well, yeah. Well, they're almost always. I'm gonna say usually they're about three to five thousand cheaper, but they're substantially cheaper right now. When you can buy a Ruby Gladiator for forty, I mean they're they're not moving at all. I don't think. So you have a bunch of crap in the back of your JLU. You had to change the coil springs so to get extra lift just to flatten that thing out, the level I, out I don't, your I don't know if I like the way you stated that. <laughs> I was just going to say, what the hell? <laughs> so, but I got to ask, what are you going to do with all that stuff that's in the back of your Jeep if you get a Gladiator? I mean, I know it has a he's bed, gonna, but... He's going to get a cover for it. He's going to put all the stuff in and organize yeah. it. It's like a regular Jeep. You gotta, no, you got to lock it up. You can't have that thing just laying right. there. Yeah. But that's like it, you. It, you have a, a the top on it. You can lock that top. No, I can't. It's cloth. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, the, so the, there's there's kind of there's the kind of the area that I'm struggling with. I like that area behind the seat that you can keep inside, all covered and everything, and locked up. Well, 
know, even with the soft top, it's only pseudo locked up anyway. But I really like that covered area, and I don't, uh, I don't know yet if I want to go to the the truck bed where I have to put a locking cover over it to put stuff in there so it doesn't grow legs. But I've drove trucks my whole life, so it's not like it would be the first time I've ever done it. Ah, uh, yeah, you don't, you're not really, you've dealt with worrying about it, is, is yeah, what correct. you're saying. Yeah. So I was thinking you were going to be looking at, uh, what is it, Decked, uh, the Decked.com uh, site where they have the trays that slide in and slide out, and those are lockable. That's awesome. That would yeah. be nice. Yeah, but but I don't know if that was, that's why I was asking. I didn't know if you were thinking about something along, along those lines. You know, of course, people build them out of wood. Uh, Decked has a really nice system. Uh, that we uh, did an interview with them uh, a while back, and uh, this—I mean, that, I think that's the only Jeep product they have—is uh, for the Gladiator, and uh, th- that's kind of neat because now you don't even have to, to crawl around; you can just pull the whole tr- tray out and right. go, oh, to, go to the setup. area. Yeah, go to the area where you're trying to get stuff. Anyway, I know there's a way of doing it, uh, and uh, but my God, that's a hell of a price, Larry. Oh uh, yeah. So when you, when are you going to pick it up? <laughs> well, I gotta get mine. Up. Mine's mine's at the dealer still. Getting uh, some oh, oil leaks fixed. That's right. Under, they they were supposed warranty. to buy two of something to replace, so they only bought one of something, right? I didn't Correct. read the detail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's under warranty, so I'm going to let them do that. But, uh, yeah, when it comes back, you just never know. My So, my only two big rubs are, I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I want to start to build over again. Cause, I know. That's the rough part, especially with all it, the stuff that you've done. And then, and while it's all great content for the YouTube channel, I also don't know if uh, I'm looking at. I'm figuring an extra twenty grand. I got to pay taxes on if I trade it in. And you know, I've said before where I'm at, it's almost a ten percent bill. Well, so, I mean, you could uh, get a get a gladiator and move it at, at the same time. Uh, nobody tells yeah. you, you have to stay where you are. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a divorce lawyer would be very expensive. Well, if you get a yeah. if you get a rooftop tent mount for there, uh, then now he has now a place you get, to live. He has a place to live. <laughs> well, I've actually I've thought about a rooftop tent for me and Duke. I thought that'd be a nice you know alternative to uh, you know when I go places, me and him would stay in that. But I just don't know yet how to get him up in up in that thing. Forklift. Yeah, I was just gonna say you're gonna need a, a ramp and or and for yourself too. We're not exactly getting any younger, you know. So it's like you got to think about all those things. Oh, yeah. Trying to put a 120-pound lab up inside of a rooftop tent, that, that's not a small feat. Well, you know, you don't actually have to get one of those big, huge racks that uh, I, uh, that you see these people running around with their, their gladiators and knives and shovels and uh, <laughs> claymores and 50 caliber uh, uh, guns all mounted to the thing that they you know they never go anywhere. And all their max tracks that are brand new, boring, <laughs> yes. sitting there like, dude, you never even take those off yet. So you? you don't have to get that big, huge rack that gets it lifted up high. You could actually mount that uh, rooftop tent really low, and that would be yeah. Yeah, better right for center bed. of gravity and yeah. easier for you and Duke to get in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I really wasn't thinking of the rooftop condominium, but... <laughs> You know, right on top of the bed is where I would think and I would put it. Mm-hmm. Well, and if you had those trays where you could just pull out, it, it would be perfect. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So once I get it back, I got to replace the hood because of all the hail damage. Otherwise, that'll absolutely kill my uh, my trade-in. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure thinking hard about it. It's uh, It's got 130000 on it now. And uh, I've had nothing but cam phaser issues since I've bought it. So it might be about time. Well, and and we don't want to describe the Jeep too much because we don't want uh, that hurting the uh, the resale value. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, it's a great Jeep. <laughs> so, uh, have, Larry, have you heard about the? Uh, now I know you know about the angry, uh, angry eye grill. Do you, <laughs> do you know about the angry hood? <laughs> I've already got one of those. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Well, anyway, good luck with that. <clears throat> good luck with that. But I suspect that we're going to hear all of a sudden on our Discord server. Uh, yeah, I got look a glad. Yeah. yeah hey, Larry's got a tax bill. Look, yeah. look at what I can do. <laughs> yeah. I can smile and cry at the same time. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's a Jeep Talk Show breaking news report. We've got Detroit Winterfest coming up January 20th. An excellent opportunity in the heart of winter to get out, meet all of your Jeep friends. Jeep is supporting this event in a very meaningful way, and all the Jeep team will be out there, including all the folks that you've come to know from around Jeep and some new people uh, that are just joining the team. And we're really excited to, uh, to have everybody back out at Hollyoaks ORV Park and get out there and do some off-roading in the dead of winter in Michigan, we're going to have campfires and our great friends at Dana are going to uh, provide some pizzas and other things. Uh, this could be as big as Detroit Four Fest. I don't know. I don't want to exaggerate, but, but man, it's, uh, it's a really great time to get out. So come join us. It'll be great fun. And we're going to have Detroit Winterfest and Nightfest. And uh, obviously our great friends, great supporters, friends of your show, uh, Tyree Lights is uh, is powering Nightfest and uh, and lighting up the night. Go to four the number four fest f e s t like festival events dot com. Uh, get signed up for Winterfest. But we're also going to have for those that are new to this space some off road one hundred one lessons like we do at all of our events at Detroit Four Fest this year. We did two hundred and seventy eight. Off-Road 101 lessons, that's what I call a warm welcome to people that are beginners because we want new people involved in this sport, and this is a great opportunity to get out there and and do a fun family activity and learn how to be a better off-roader. We'll look forward to, uh, to seeing everybody in January. Happy, happy holiday season. Happy New Year, and, uh, and off we go. Detroit Winterfest, January 20th. What? Where's the noob? Noob! 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 Hey, newbie! Newbie! Noob Nugget. It's time for Newbie Nuggets. Well, there's so much information to cover when trying to inform new Jeepers on what items should you carry in your Jeep. There's literally hundreds of things you can add to your Jeep. Some of them are more useful than others. Some are more necessary. So, as you start to collect stuff, I thought a list would be kind of nice. It's the beginning of the year. And just make sure if you already have all this stuff that you truly have all this stuff in the Jeep. So the first one, of course, I'm going to recommend is a tow strap. It's usually used to pull your buddy out, by the way, not necessarily for yourself. But make sure it's actual strap and not a rope. Ropes are a completely different ball game and something that you don't want to be dealing with in the very beginning. And again, this is the stuff I recommend for brand new people who start off. And when Larry's starting with his brand new Gladiator, he's going to want to get some of these things as well. <laughs> so all the support. Uh, exactly. The other thing too is you need tow hooks and attachment points. Most Jeeps come with something like that, but you need to understand exactly where they are. Um, you're going to need something like a recovery gear and D rings or shackles is also what they're called. Um, again, they're going to be metal. 
you definitely want one of them in your kit. Uh, I like to recommend the soft shackles. We've talked about this on other type other episodes, but the soft soft shackles you'll need two to three, and that's going to be in your recovery gear. And other episodes we can talk about how you would use that stuff. But you definitely need to make sure you understand where your tow hooks are, the attachment points, and having at least one metal D ring. Um, you're going to need a basic tool kit. And a good set of tools, you know, and a minimum of some basic things. And again, this is something you may start off with a few pieces. As you wheel more, you're going to be adding things in there like a wrench, pliers, vice grips. But you also need some other types of things like I call trail hack, like duct tape and bailing wire and zip ties. Ratchet tie-down straps are huge and self-sealing silicone tape that was always Josh's favorite. But those are things that you're going to be putting together as a kit. I do recommend that you have one bag for a lot of this stuff in the beginning and then as you expand you end up with two or three different bags maybe your all your metal pieces like wrenches and screwdrivers are in one thing and all your little tiny nuts and bolts are in another bag um, but it is amazing how many um, basic trail hacks we could do and mend on a trail just to get you off the trail so those are things that you're going to be if you start to wheel more you're going to definitely want to get that basic toolkit together um, first aid kit is huge um, we've talked about this on other episodes as well, but you need to know what is in there and how to use all that stuff. And it's not just a basic, a few band-aids, guys. You need to have more of a heavier-duty first aid kit. Super easy to slip and fall, especially if your terrain you're wheeling on has rocks or slippery, you know, silt, mud even. Water can be slippery, so ice, snow, another thing on that too. But nice first aid kit. And double-check that on a regular basis. So if you have one in the Jeep, and you've wheeled all year last year, make sure that you're checking that and replenishing the band-aids or you know, any type of creams or things that you might need. Uh, fire extinguisher, definitely recommended. Um, most official runs, you know, these are ones that are organized by groups, usually require one on board. And we're not talking the little tiny guy, spend the money and get a bigger one because the little one's not going to put out a, a, an engine fire. And also, where are you going to store it? A lot of people just throw it in the Jeep. Well, get it up on a pillar or someplace that makes it easy for you to get to it, makes it easily accessible. Some sort of communication is important. Uh, GMRS, we talked a lot about that. Ham radio is another one. Uh, GMRS radios are pretty much the go-to nowadays. Nobody's really doing CBs anymore. Those of you that have ham license, uh, your ham license, that's great. But in a group setting, most people aren't going to have that. They're just going to get that. You can get pick up two of those on Amazon for around $50. So GMRS, you need a communication because your cell phone isn't probably going to work out there in the trails that you're on. And one of the other things I try to recommend is a trash bag. It usually hangs off the back of the Jeep. Um, you got to pack it in and pack it out. We are big proponents here on the show of Tread Lightly, uh, making sure that we're not littering. We're taking out all of our trash. In fact, most of us when we wheel are picking up other people's trash that we see. Um, I like the kind of pouches that you can just attach to the back of your spare tire on the back. Uh, really easy to keep the trash out of the side of the Jeep, store everything, and then when you get home, you can throw it away. A couple of other additional items, extra water on board, maybe some sunscreen, obviously toilet paper. Uh, and then imp most important, paper map of the area that you're in. Don't rely on your GPS and your phone for your mapping systems. They can fail. Um, and then don't forget about staples for your dogs and or kids. You know, what are they going to need that's going to be in there? Um, final thing on that is these items should all be dedicated to the Jeep. They should be in there at all times. You don't want to remove them. So if you do go through your first aid kit, make sure that you're replenishing that water, things like that. But always better to have these items and 
looking at them than looking for them, as I always say. So you guys got anything else you'd want to add to basic things that you need to have in your Jeep? Yeah, yeah so that's a pretty good list, list, Wendy. The only thing I would add to that is when you're looking at the toolkits, mm-hmm. most of the toolkit companies, most of, most of them that put together, to, they do a really good job of leaving out the key ones that you need. <laughs> <laughs> So if you're going to go pick up a set, at least go around your Jeep with that set and see if you can fit up most of the wrenches. You know, most of them leave out the 18 and to stop at the 19 and yeah. you really need a, you know, the, the, the 21. Yeah. So just, just make sure that if you're going to go out and buy that kit that you've actually taken those wrenches or sockets and go around and make sure you can loosen and tighten most of those things on your, on your Jeep to make sure you have all the tools that you need. That's a really good idea. So what do you guys think about wheel chocks? I mean, I, I, know, there's, one. I know there's rocks and uh, t- timber and stuff like that, maybe another Jeep, but um, I'm thinking, you know, some wheel chocks, uh, but I'm not sure if if you if there's some that are road wor- uh, off-road worthy and, you know, like 37s or 40s worthy. Yeah, I carry I one of those from Harbor Freight in mine. Just and I drive a manual, so yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, that's whole, very important. Yeah, whole another yeah, reason. Yeah, that's that's another good idea. It's uh, again, it depends on when you wheel. So we wheel a lot where there is rocks and access to that on a regular basis. So we would not personally put one in our Jeep, but it is a good point to make. But you know, once you start getting into the list of what else should you carry, I mean, we could go through this whole show and have. <laughs> A master oh, yeah. list. Of well, you need and, a you need a you know, Unimog following you around. I think I said that right. Yes. Following you around with all the the staff and the parts that you need. <laughs> Perfect. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but it is you know again it depends on where you're wheeling and what you're doing. This list might change a little bit. You know I, I took off the uh, couple of things that we had originally talked about just because it's not something that most people are going to go out and get. These are things that you should probably have if you're a brand new jeeper. Um, even if you're experienced, you should have a few of these, make sure that you have them. And again, your basic toolkit, our, our basic toolkit has so much more than this because it's not basic right. anymore. It's things that we've had experiences with that we needed to bring, you know, Bill's got a breaker bar on board. There's all kinds of heavier duty things. Like Larry said, you know, that we found that just doesn't work and ratchet tie down straps, something that people would never think about needing. And I'll tell you what, we have used those more times to help somebody get off oh, the trail. I think you yeah. have to have ratchet straps. I, th- I think yeah. you just need to carry those. In fact, I need to put some in the Gladiator. So yeah. uh, let me let me ask you a technical question. I don't know if either one of you guys uh, do uh, quote unquote overlanding, but you know, to be an overlander, you have to go someplace uh, and ha- at least have a sandwich with you or, or a sandwich is what I like you to need say. A, a cooler? No, no, just a sandwich. Okay. Uh, so the, the, <laughs> question, the question that I have for you is, uh, if you have an opinion on this, uh, if you go off-road, I'm sorry, if you go overlanding and you, you have the required sandwich and then you eat it, are you still uh, doing overlanding? Should you bring a spare sandwich, I guess is what I'm saying. Well, yes, I would say, because if you're overlanding, that means you're out for probably several meals. So, yes, bring extra sandwiches. I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a time frame on overlanding. That's why, <laughs> that's why I think you just have, a, have to have a sandwich. But it Otherwise, sounds like to me a- overlanding is over when your sandwich is gone. Maybe, but when you're trail doing a trail ride, you're you're bringing a sandwich because you're having lunch out somewhere. So, well, is it is it off roading or overlanding at that point? I think it's off roading. So, 
if I'm I hearing think overlanding's right, camping. <laughs> I'm kind of th- I'm kind of hearing that you're overlanding up to the point where the sandwiches are all gone. Yeah, and then once the sandwiches are gone, now you're off roading. If because you're, you're off road, you could be in a, a Walmart parking lot. I mean, you know. Well, you could yeah. go into Walmart, buy a sandwich, and then you're and then overlanding you're again. Now you're overlanding. Again. <laughs> okay, I get it. I get There's it. some people out there that are overlanders and they're getting pissed off. Like, <laughs> kind of a like, bitch. no, Not damn it. Sandwiches. <laughs> yes, exactly. Don't, don't make fun of my overlanding. I like overlanding. <laughs> <laughs> oh I think overlanding is great. I just like to know what the definition is. I'm, the only thing I can come up with is, is one has a sandwich, the other one doesn't. <laughs> no, I I think it's uh, camping. You're actually sleeping somewhere off the road. I think is overlanding. Well, you're you're traveling, and it may be on or off road, and and you're you're staying someplace uh, off road. It, it's it's the it's not a uh, climb up this rock, go through this creek. Uh, I mean, it can be. But it has to do with. Uh, um, Did the scottle come out? But, <laughs> but for us, for every trail ride that we've done, there's been a sandwich involved. See, this, and it's I think not this overlanding. just confuses the issue. I mean, we well, have to said. clarify <laughs> these, these things that we do with vehicles off road, both on yeah, and off road. Oh, my God. <laughs> Well, if you guys want more information, you can check out our website, Trails411 website. We also have great books to learn if you're new to this jeeping world. Um, And, of course, we have great content on our YouTube channel. So, check it out. Hey, everyone. It's George up in Northern California with the Scrambler. Anyway, heard the Garmin episode where you interviewed those guys. That's awesome. I'm a huge inReach proponent. My latest unit I have now is their newest. Uh, GPS Map 67i, which is their most powerful GPS handheld unit. It's got a color screen. You can download all kinds of offline topo maps, plus full satellite communication. Works great on a RAM out on my dash. Uh, I also, this year for Christmas, bought my wife the new InReach Messenger, which is that small communicator they just came out with. She mountain bikes up in the forest and I can't, her Strava app works great when there's cell signal. I can see where she's at, but there's periods of time where I don't know where she's at. So the new messenger has been working great. She's been using it since Christmas. She can message me. I can track her. I can locate her, all that good stuff. Uh, Also, they mentioned it, but they didn't give you the price, the rescue, optional rescue insurance. If you need a helicopter ride or a ground rescue, covers up to 100 grand and it's like 39.99 a year, I think. So pretty reasonable if you need that. That's um, awesome. I have it on one of yeah. our plans. And then lastly, if you have an iPhone 14, they have satellite SOS as well. So look up on YouTube how to use that. You can't do any of the other messaging, just SOS. But it's out there. Keep the great content coming. Take care. I'm glad he called in about that. Um, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if you guys have heard about it, uh, other sources besides me, and maybe you even heard it from me. Um, uh, SpaceX is either launching or has launched uh, six Starlink satellites that are up going to be uh, or are, are going to be up there for uh, cell phone testing. Uh, so d- cell phone direct to satellite calls. So it'll be basically a cell tower in space. And um, so uh, T-Mobile and uh, Starlink are doing this test, uh, or SpaceX are doing this test. So uh, pretty soon uh, it'll start with texting. And then as, the, as more satellites get up there uh, and uh, there's more bandwidth available, 
then uh, the, the actual phone calls will be available anywhere in the world with the exception of uh, the North Pole and the South Pole. Wow. It's pretty amazing. You and think about where, where the cell phones have came. You know, it used to be if everything was by the minute and you had all the big gray zones, they go from that to anywhere in the world but the poles. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's pretty good. Oh, and you'll have to be outside uh, for the satellite stuff to work. Uh, but that, that shouldn't be a big deal. Uh, I mean, you know, that you have to be outside for the, the, all the Garmin uh, inReach stuff as well. Can't be inside making my sandwich. Uh, you can uh, uh, eat your sandwich, then go outside and make your call. Okay. <laughs> Don't talk with your mouth full. Welcome to Fabricating Frenzy with Larry, also known as Jeeping Mo, whose hair is not curly. All right, so everyone who's looking to making a switch to one-ton axles has thought about the 14-bolt axle at some point in time. Now, there are several reasons why everybody likes these axles and uses them for their one-ton builds. Now, there are a couple versions of the 14-bolt, so let's look at some of the differences. Now, the name comes from the 14-bolts that hold the rear diff cover. And I always thought, you know, before... You know, really dug into things. I'll say years ago, I kept hearing a 14-bolt. And I always, I always figured it would be a lot more than that. But So there are a couple different ring sizes that you can get on a 14-bolt. 9.5, 10.5, and 11.5. And not all 14-bolts are full-floating axles. Now, there is another version that runs a semi-float axle, just like your Dana 44s that most people have in their Jeeps. Well, wait a minute, Larry. Is this like when you say uh, semi-float and full float, are you talking about uh, um, uh, Aquaman going out and uh, submerging his vehicle? <laughs> I, I knew. Mean, what is this float, no. semi-float stuff? I mean, you're telling okay. me things I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Okay, so I know we've covered this on, on a previous show. I wasn't paying attention, damn it. He let's, wasn't let's paying attention, that. Larry. <laughs> so there's two, ways that, there's two ways that the weight is actually handled when an a- on your axle. So in a semi-float, which is what you have in your Dana 44s, all the weight is on the axles themselves, right? The, the weight's on the axle, the axle's housed in the housing, and it all kind of shares, but most of that load is strictly on the axle flanges. On a full float, the axle is only transferring power from the ring and pinion out to the wheel. All your weight is being held by the housing itself. So there's a big advantage in that when you're out really getting rough with it, when you're trying to apply all that power, you're not asking the axle to do two things. And the other advantage there is, I'll see rigs like mine is over 6,000 pounds. You're bumping and you're doing all that stuff with those axles and you have all that weight on them. That's usually when you start breaking the axles and everything else. So full float strictly means your Stronger. weight's being held. Yeah, your weight's being held by the housing versus semi float that's only being held by the axle itself. And and there's the, it's just those two things, right? The the only two choices you'll have uh, for most cases. I'm sure there's there's some weird weirdness out there. So right. most axles are going to be semi float or full float, and and really the majority of them are going to be semi float. Is that a, is that a true statement? 
that's a true statement. Okay. Now, Jeep did just come out with the Dana 44s with, that are full float. Now, on the surface, they look like a semi-float, but the hub is actually bolted to the housing itself, and the axle is just housed in there. It doesn't, it doesn't do the same dual duty that uh, a standard Dana 44 does. And that's a big deal, right? Because like you're oh, talking yeah. about this 14-bolt bolt, uh, uh, axle, uh, those things can be kind of expensive, kind of pricey, but you, that's because they're full float, correct? Correct. And probably yeah, and, 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 and in demand. I mean, you know, there's supply and demand type stuff. Right. And the other part of that is when you're, when you're stepping up to something like a, a 40-inch tire, you know, asking a semi-float, a semi-float axle to handle all of the leverage and weight from a 40-inch tire as well as just doing your normal wheeling, that's a lot to ask out of a semi-float axle. Where... A full float axle, like you know, a one ton full float. Not saying you can't hurt it, but it definitely handles all the stresses and strains much, much better. Right. So, so the, there's two different types of uh, fourteen bolts. One is the is the semi float, and one is the full float. Now. The easiest way to tell if you've got a, a full float rear axle is you'll see in the center of the hub, you'll see there's a big housing right in the middle. And that's, that's where you would take your axle out. Because you can take the axle out of a full float rear end just having it sit there. Where a semi-float, that hub is not there. Now, it used to be the common thought that the semi-float would only had six lugs, and I thought that for years. And I, when I was doing the research for this, I found that there was a few of them made with eight lugs. So just make sure you, if you're looking at buying a 14-bolt, don't just go off of that. But you can tell by the big housing that's in the center of the wheel where you would actually take out the axle. Now, once again... Easiest way to spot is that center hub. And then the, the other big difference is the diff cover, where the semi-float is more of an oval and the uh, full float, well, it's not. And you have to, if you do a little research or look up a full float 14 bolt, you'll see the housing difference in the rear. Now, the it's also known as a corporate 14 bolt. Now that's because of association with GM structure in the 70s. You know, they found I found that these things were in Escalades all the way up to the big trucks. So they started making the 14 bolts in in around 1973, and they're still using some form of that axle even to this day. Now, Dodge uses the 14-bolt, and it's called the 11.5 AAM. I never could find out what AAM is. I'm sure it's out there. <laughs> now, it has an 11.5-inch ring gear. So, that, that's a huge ring gear for these things. But they also make a few models of that same axle that are 10.5. So, if you ever go out and buy one of these, just do a little bit of homework. 
So why does everybody like the 14 bolt full float rear? Well, they'll take a lot of abuse and hold a lot of weight, just like we just talked about. And I have a the gross axle weight of 8,600 pounds, which which is you know that's quite a lot. Now the other big asset is the is the pinion support. So the pinion is supported on both sides of the gear. So where most rear axles, even front axles, there's a bearing on the yoke side of the pinion and under high horsepower or high load, that pinion can flex around a little bit. Well, 14 bolt has a, has a shaft on the very end of the gear, then that goes into a pilot bearing. So it's actually being held on both sides of the pinion, which makes it a very strong gear setup. Now, you can get some models of this with disc brakes, but most of the axles you'll find will be drum. Interesting. Yeah. Now, one thing about these, they're so widely used. To find a disc brake conversion, you don't have to look very far to, to find one. Oh, I could imagine, because that would be one of the, I'd, not necessarily a, a weakness, but if something is big and heavy and you're putting big and heavy tires on it, you might want to be able to stop as well. And, and a drum will stop you, but not like disc. No, not at all. Now, that's a big, heavy monster, and it comes at a cost. That rear axle is 550 pounds, and compared to a Dana 44 at 140. Now, they have a lower ground clearance, and that's all part of the deal. But there is a way to shave the bottom of that pumpkin. You can shave it by about two inches. And then they make a plate that goes back and covers it to get that to protect everything inside of that housing. Keep the ooze in there. <laughs> you want the ooze in there, right? And, and you know, that, that shave kit's a big deal because when you put that big axle in, you lose two inches of ground clearance yep. in that very center. Now, with all that, it is a sawed-out axle for people looking to build, axle, build their rig for off-road, and they really are not that hard to find. Just make sure you get the full-float axle. We could easily take. Go ahead. I was just going to say, and with the, the larger uh, ring and pinion, uh, that also means you can go with a higher numerical gear set, correct? So that oh, absolutely, you can get away with. Uh, I mean, if you're going to put really big tires and wheels on something, that's going to affect your your overall gear ratio. So you have to balance that with the the differential gears, and now you have something that has enough. Uh, uh, teeth or tooth penetration where it's it's more likely to stay together. So it's strength upon strength upon strength is, what is, is I think what is the, one of the, the, the things that are most attractive about this. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and we could easily, we could probably take the whole show and talk about nothing but the 14 bolt. You know, it, it's, it's just uh, very easy to get all your information. You could type in 14 bolt and get a ton of information so if you're looking at building one of these axles, just type in 14 Chevy 14 bolt, and there is a ton of stuff out there, and we're always willing to help you here on the show as well. Excellent. Well, I appreciate you, you answering my questions because I'm sure we have some some new people out there, and I, I legitimately don't uh, didn't know this stuff, so yeah, I, I like the, taking the opportunity to learn something new. 
from the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. And uh, on the episode after Christmas, where Josh called in and wished everybody Merry Christmas, which you're 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 really early for it, Josh. You know, <laughs> most people wait till around at least Thanksgiving to start wishing people happy holidays. And uh, I enjoyed hearing from you, Josh. But I would I said it before, and I'll say it again. Leave the funny stuff to us professionals. <laughs> I don't want to hear bad jokes like two blood cells fell in love. Yeah, it was all in vain. Oh. We want to hear quality jokes like okay, Walmart we had a sale on paddles. Yeah, it was a real ordeal. All right, boys and girls. <laughs> I'm laughing. At- <laughs> That's all that matters. All right. I'll chat you later and have a good one. Bye. So I'm getting the feeling that uh, he thinks that it's a new year, so he can start off low on the percentage and work you it think? up later. Yeah. <laughs> so by the Get end of the build. year, we're like, "Wow, he's so funny." And, and was the was the 18 percent for 2023 only? Uh, do we not have a percentage for this year? Did I don't he, think he, you got to start that? over. Did he not? Well, but, but I mean, did he not commit to a new a new year? He may not well, have I, committed to a new year. He's probably looking at the numbers and trying to figure out the stats and give us a new percentage. <laughs> oh, I don't know. So it's it's like government spending. Once this year's over, that's gone. You got to start that's anew. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. We love hearing from Nikki G. Oh, absolutely. Uh, not a, I'm not going to apologize for it at all. All right. So uh, excited to announce that in our next interview episode, we'll be featuring a special guest interview with Melanie White, president and CEO of Hellwig at hellwig.com. And Wendy, I, I got to mention to you, I did uh, talk to her when we were doing the interview. I did talk to her about being on Chick Chat. Oh, yes. That'd be great. And I said, great. We'd love to have you on there. I mean, she said, yes. I'm very excited about doing that. And uh, she, uh, she said, great. And then uh, I said, I'll send you the information. And I think uh, a week went by and she sent me an email saying, hey, are you going to send me that chick chat uh, invita- invitation information? So, oh. I mean, she's really interested about being on the show. That's good. Well, yeah. let's get her on. So, That'll be fun. I still need to send her that information. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I sent it to her. <laughs> but, uh, and, and do you know that she's, uh, I think this is right. Uh, you have to listen to the interview to see, uh, but I believe she's president-elect of uh, SEMA. Oh. Oh, really? Did you not know about that? That's that's in the interview. Yeah. That's uh, she, she ran. She's been uh, uh, on the board or, or, or part of SEMA for a while now, but she's actually president-elect of, uh, of SEMA. So... Uh, yeah, it's uh, it was fun talking to her. It was a lot of fun talking to her. Uh, a great, easy person to talk to. Oh, and I, I probably should mention this, too. Uh, we're doing more things on YouTube, and that includes our interviews. We did record uh, audio and video uh, with uh, Melanie White, uh, President and CEO of Hellwig, and uh, uh, that uh, that interview will be up on our YouTube channel shortly after uh, the, uh, the interview is... Uh, Uh, put out on uh, next Friday. All right. For your must-have stuff for your Jeep, Brown Dog Off-Road Motor Mounts. And they do things, more things than motor mounts, but the motor mounts is what I was the most interested in getting. Do any of you know, have you ever heard about Brown Dog Off-Road prior to me mentioning it to you tonight? No. Can't say that I have. Have any of you guys had a, uh, uh, a, a YJ, an MJ, a TJ, an XJ, uh, or has it all been a more modern-day uh, Jeeps that you've had? 
Yeah, no that's the one I me. have. Yep. Yeah, so uh, that, 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 that might be why. Uh, I mean, I learned about it because uh, I had an XJ, and uh, whenever I was replacing, uh, rebuilding the engine, uh, uh, that because uh, I was pretty sure that the, there was probably a leak in the head, and that's the reason why the, the, uh, the uh, Jeep, the XJ, we kept overheating on the highway, even though I couldn't find any problems. So I said, I, you know, I got the money, let me rebuild an engine and put it in there and had the same damn problem. Anyway, while while you're in there, <laughs> always, <laughs> always, yeah, uh, always, always. It, you might as well, you know, get some uh, some good uh, motor mounts. And I think I was describing to you guys before we started the recording here that um, the uh, on the 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 four point you can break the boss uh, the bosses that stick over there that you mount the the motor mounts to, and people have have broken one, two, or all three of them. And uh, the motor will just kind of flop around. Uh, you can still drive it, but, you know, you need to have a little, <laughs> you need to be okay with uh, chewing up the hood on occasion with your fan because uh, the, 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 the motor really moves around. Um, anyway, rotationally, it'll move around. But the cool thing is, is that if that's happened to your 4.0, you can get a set of uh, Brown Dog uh, off-road motor mounts and because it has like six or seven connection points, there's actually additional bosses on the 4.0 that the factory motor mounts don't use. So hmm. uh, the the motor mount itself is is much larger, uh, and uh, you you can so you can bolt this thing down to all those locations. And now you have uh, your your motor's not flopping around. Uh, yeah, you got three of the the seven that aren't connected, but it's you know you've got four more than what you had before. <laughs> or if like me, uh, you put these things on before anything broke. Uh, now I, now I have uh, seven or eight connection points uh, on yeah. my 4.0. So it's it's a nice way of making sure that the the 4.0 stays where it's supposed to be. Uh, and doesn't um, move around on you uh, inside the uh, inside the engine bay. So again, this is available. For, the motor mounts are available for um, the YJ, the TJ, the XJ, the M- MJ, and uh, for the engines. And it depends on the model, but uh, the 2.8, the 2.5, the 2.4, and the 4.0 uh, available for all of those. So just go over to uh, Brown Dog. Um, you know what? I didn't. I was doing this research and I didn't write down the. Uh, the link it is browndogindustries.com and uh, we will have that in the show notes for this episode in case uh, you didn't write it down or you just want to go back and find it in the show notes episode 960 uh, browndogindustries.com we have an interview uh, with uh, with a gentleman who is such a long time ago I've, I've forgotten his name uh, so you can always go to gtalkshow.com and just do a search for brown dog and uh, you'll find that interview. He had a lot of good things to say. Been trying to get him back on the on the show, but you know, I think he learned his lesson to step being on once. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Jeep Talk Show. Uh, if you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. I'd like to know what your favorite podcast platform is. Did you guys know that the Google uh, podcast thing is going away? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, there's. I think it's April or something like that. It's it's, it's, it's no longer going to be there. So uh, you're not going to be able to, uh, to to listen to podcast on, on Google Podcast anymore. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, it, there's lots of places that you can listen. So also, don't forget about uh, to, don't forget to follow us on uh, social media. I like saying it. I'll say it again. 
uh, Instagram, a great place to follow us. And sign up for our email newsletter to stay up to date on the latest news, Jeeps, and events. Finally, if you have any questions or ideas for future episodes, we'd love to hear from you. Go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find multiple ways to contact us. And that includes uh, reaching out to Larry uh, for ideas for Fabricating Frenzy and uh, Wendy for uh, her uh, newbie nuggets. Hey, thanks, thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next Jeep Talk Show episode. Broadcasting since 2010.